Hey, Uncommon Leaders, welcome back. This is the Uncommon Leader Podcast, and I'm your host, John Gallagher. My guest today is Andrew L. Anderson. Andrew is a life transformation and business productivity coach and an author of the number one international best-selling book, Strength of the Oak, Strength of the Willow, How to Find Courage and Compassion in a Turbulent World. Listen through for some great tips that he's cultivated while coaching over 600 individuals in his career to help them break through limiting beliefs, transform their lives and businesses, and find lasting freedom. You're going to need a notebook and a pen to take notes. Let's get started. Andrew L. Anderson, welcome to the Uncommon Leader Podcast. It's great to be with you today. How are you doing today? I'm happy. It's a blessing to be with great people, and you're one of them that I get to count on to spend, spend some time with today. Andrew, I appreciate that. I'm looking forward to spending some time with you as well, learning a little bit more about your book, Strength of the Oak, Strength of the Willow, How to Find Courage and Compassion in a Turbulent World. I've had a chance to really go through it. But before we jump into the details of your book and learn more about that, I want to learn a little bit more about you. So I always ask my first-time guests the same question, the same first question. as Tell me a story from your youth that still impacts who you are as a leader or person today. Absolutely. Well, we get to go all the way back to kindergarten. All right. I'm five years old. I'm peering out of my second story window, looking into the backyard, and I see dad with a shovel. And he's digging a hole. It's a big hole. And I asked my mom, what in the world is dad doing? She said, he's digging a pool. And I was so excited. And there was nothing in my brain that thought, dad can't dig a pool. Why is he digging a pool? I was raised by a father who thought he could, with a shovel, dig a pool in our backyard. After a few hours, and I'm sure like a bunch of ibuprofen or something, he convinced my mom that it would probably be a good idea to hire a backhoe. But I was raised by a father who taught me to work hard and that anything we put our minds to, we can do. Andrew, I love that story. And dad's they have a way. And as you mentioned, a five-year-old, I just had a chance to spend some time with my five-year-old nephew, who's going to be six next week, this weekend. And it's just amazing. When I look back on that, I don't remember a whole lot of being five years old, but some of the things that they learned just in, at that age and remember for a long, a long period of time what they learned. So I appreciate you sharing that and learning that hard work, learning that, learning a little bit about your story when I read through your book is pretty powerful. And that's what we're really here to learn about today, Andrew, a little bit of your story as a coach of an organization, but more focused on the book. And, and as I told you before we jumped online and started recording, is that you know when I when I saw the name of the book, I was a little bit compelled and, and somewhat even attached, if you will, knowing that the Growing Champions logo is formed from an oak tree as well. But the title of the book, Strength of the Oak, Strength of the Willow, How to Find Courage and Compassion. Just just tell me a little bit about that right off the bat. Tell me about the oak and the willow and courage and compassion, how you got the name of it. Absolutely. Well, the seed was planted by a great coach that I had who helped me understand that I have both of these strengths within me, that they're not competing just because I may lean to that courageous oak, strong kind of a strength. It doesn't mean I don't have the ability to flex and give and surrender. So the seed was planted by him and it was nurtured by my higher power who told me that this book needed to be written because if I could figure out how to do this for myself and my clients, why not give it to the world? Andrew, I, you know, as you say that, I was, I was harking back to a story right inside the book about how you even ended up choosing write a book. So to have the courage 
to write a book. I don't think that was ever in your plans. Now, again, we know no. that our plan is written from a higher power. We know that our plan yeah. has already been written. Our story's already been told. But tell me, tell me the story of how you decided you were going to write a book because it wasn't in your plans at the start. No, well, it was three years ago at a retreat in Zion National Park in southern Utah. And I was sitting on a bench, just a concrete bench. It was cold. And I was having a conversation with a, another one of the event participants. And, and she asked me two questions that I was not prepared for. She said, Andrew, are you speaking? And I said, no. And she said, are you writing? And I said, no. She said, why not? And I gave her what, you know, looking back now with 2020 hindsight, we were a bunch of excuses. And she called me out and she said, that's exactly what you're giving me. You're giving me excuses. And it was a short conversation. And I sat there and I was a little bit peeved at what she had said. I wasn't expecting to be coached in that moment. I didn't sign up for that. But as she left, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I walked down into the Virgin River, literally, and I looked up at the face of one of those powerfully, just that those incredible canyons, right? Those walls. And I had a moment where I felt small. I just felt encompassed by the creation around me and the magnificence of that moment. And then the voice came into my mind and my heart all at the same time. Andrew, if you're feeling this way in front of a rock, imagine what people might be able to feel when you are fulfilling the measure of your creation. And I just started weeping. And then I knew instantly that this book, Strength of the Oak, Strength of the Will, and one other, needed to come to fruition. And that call was a shout, not in my ears, but in my heart. And I can never let my mind talk me out of something my heart knows to be true. So three years ago, last month, was when I knew I needed to create this book. Andrew, I think that's so powerful. There are so many people that are put inside of our lives to give us messages. And if we're willing to be open to that message as we hear it and open to that as feedback, regardless of how that comes at us, that can be pretty powerful. I am curious, especially as you talk to the listeners, you mentioned the things that you said, those excuses. How did those excuses manifest themselves in you? What were, what were a couple of those excuses you told or why you hadn't written a book yet? Because some people are Wanting, I think wanting to write a book and they're making up excuses probably like that as well. Tell me what those were. Okay. Absolutely. I have six children. I have 40 coaching clients. I don't want to give up my nights and my weekends. I'm comfortable. I serve in my church. I am heavily involved with my siblings and their children and my parents. We have all of the activities and the sports and the, with our children. And I did not want to get outside of what I believe was a very comfortable life. I was working less hours and making more money than I ever made in my entire life. I was living the dream. And sometimes when we're living the dream in that state of comfort, we're missing out on what the next dream might be and how it can bless others. Hey Amen. I hear that. I hear you saying that. There's a picture that comes into my mind, the comfort zone. We get into our comfort zone. We're like, this, you know, why do I need to mess anything up? Why do I need to rock the boat or or change things up? Things are going pretty well right now. And it's a it's a cliche that sits around there that if it ain't broke, we need or if it if it isn't broke, we need to break it before it uh gets broken. Because you think about that time to your point. And how did you find the time? What did you do? You made the commitment and how did you find the time? How did you get it into your calendar? 
Well, the time was already there. I didn't need to find it. I just needed to replace it. I had built a three-year habit of doing early morning meditation. And I thought, okay, well, I'm not going to meditate. I'm going to write in these quiet, dark hours before anyone else in the home wakes up, sitting on my couch, I will write. And that's what I did. I replaced a previous habit with a new habit. Amen. Well, again, thank you for sharing that because I think those who are listening to the podcast, they need to hear. There's a voice inside of their, hell, their heads telling them why they can't oh, yeah. do something. And you talked about it. The time's already there for them to do that. It's just a matter of replacing one habit with another. And to your point, what it sounds like, it was already, it's not replacing necessarily a bad habit. It can be replacing a good habit with another good habit. Doesn't mean you won't go back to that habit of meditating as well, but it was something you needed to do at that point in time. And I'm sure, again, as I, I smile when you tell me the story of how the individual sat next to you on the bench coached you, that that's yeah. how you coach others as well uh, right. in terms of their activities. So, Excellent. All right. Well, so let's jump in the book. A few things that stood out to me, and, and there's no doubt there's things within this book. I don't want to go through all of them because I want folks to buy the book. It's out in Kindle already now. And then when we're releasing this, you're going to have the hard, com hard copy coming out as well. So I want folks to be sure to get a copy of it. But you talked about a lot of different things in threes. So let me start about the first one that I, I took from the champions playing chapter that you have. You had a quote in there, when performance is measured, performance improves. When performance is measured and reported back, the rate of improvement accelerates. And you talked about that in, in the form of door hinges and the rule of three. So tell me about that rule of three and what's really there for you in terms of how you coach and how you are measuring your own performance as well. Yeah, I love the rule of three. Most things that I use in my coaching have come from other greats, other giants that I've been blessed to stand on the shoulders of. And this one is truly mine. I, I believe it came from divine design so that I could share it with the world. The rule of three is simple, John. Anytime someone has a habit or routine that they are just rocking, all three of these things are present. If someone is struggling to build a habit or a routine, at least one or more is missing. So hinge number one, do you have the internal desire, the intrinsic motivation? Do you truly want it? I've learned that if they don't really want it, they're not going to do what it takes in order to get it. Rule number two, once we have that desire, by the way, desire means of the father. Desire, de is of in French or de in Spanish. And that sire word means father. Desire of the father. Is this truly something you have been called and you believe strongly in? Number two, do you have a system? Do you have an easily reproducible, like you could hand it to someone, they could read it and they would know exactly how to do the thing that you're going to do? Do you know when, where, how, how long, who's going to help you? So number two is the system. Number three, accountability. You can have the greatest intention, the greatest desires, the greatest system. And if you don't have someone or something holding you accountable to the accomplishment of that goal, then it's not going to happen. So that's the rule three, John. Andrew, thank you for sharing that. The desire, the system, and the accountability. Three, what would be simple rules or guidelines to follow, yet so difficult to implement? And my guess, it's a big part of your coaching as you go forward. Let's talk. Let's stay on that word accountability as well. I have clients that I coach as well. I have teams that I coach, organizations. And anytime I throw that A word up, accountability, 
there seems to be this cringing. How do you explain to you know your clients that accountability is not a bad word? It's actually a really good word. And it's the fact that it's part of your rule of three, there's got to be things that you run into that with your clients. Can I tell you a story? Yes, I love hearing stories. This is a good friend that I've known for over 19 years. We actually served together side by side in a service mission in France and Belgium when I was a, a young man doing some work for my church. And we got to work together for six months and we have stayed very close friends and I've been able to coach him in his life and what he's doing. And he said, Andrew, I feel like if you're holding me accountable, it's like you're babysitting me and holding my hand. And he said, it just feels demeaning. It feels like I'm not good enough. Like I can't do this on my own. And I validated that. And I said, hey, I understand. I recognize that that this, you know, this is not the funnest thing for you to do right now. And then I said this, I said, in your job, because he's not an entrepreneur like I am, I said, in your job, who do you account to? Who holds you accountable? And he told me, and I said, do you feel like that relationship is lesser or that you are not as worthy because you have to account to that person? He said, no, it's just the expectation. I said, what if we brought that same level of expectation to our own personal growth and development that we do our own jobs? And that was a light bulb moment for him. And he recognized I can be as humble and grateful for others holding me accountable in my personal life as I am in my workplace. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that story. And again, you're exactly right. I mean, as I tell clients, this this theme of you know babysitting or this theme of you're watching over me to get something done is just not what that word really means. But you're able to account for the work that you've committed to, and just have someone that works with you. I mean, you you touched on this, I believe, in your book that in terms of everybody needing a coach and everybody meet or, or needing a mentor. Uh, mm-hmm. I have a coach. You have a coach. Okay. Yeah. Coaches need coaches. Professional athletes need coaches. Tiger Woods didn't get to be the best golfer in the world. Michael Phelps didn't get to be the best swimmer without coaches and decided they didn't want to be babysat in terms of results. So seeing that as a big part of your system is very important to go forward and make that happen. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I want to keep on the focus of the book. And again, some more things in terms of threes here. You use the term and again, coming back to the tree, I love the metaphor of the tree. I love the strength of the oak, the strength of the willow game. When folks see the, the copy of the book, they're going to love it as well in terms of the picture on the front. But you use three words, plant, nurture, and prune from a development standpoint. Tell me a little bit more about those three words and how you use that metaphor in your coaching as well or in your personal life. Right. Plant, nurture, and prune. The, the planting is really... I guess we could add a fourth P or or a fourth thing in this. It's we have to do the preparation. Hmm. We have to get the ground ready. We have to know what it is we want. And we have to be able to commit to be all in, to plant that desire, that goal, that life mission, the values, the principles, whatever it is that we're planting, they have to take root. And the only way that they will take root is if we have prepared that ground beforehand. Humility comes from the word humus. Hume means of the earth. When we are humble, we are broken, a broken heart, right? A a broken ego. We're able to allow things in. So the ground is ready and prepared to accept what's being planted. 
Then we get to nourish it, to nurture by pouring in the right people, the right systems, the right accountability, having the right resources, learning what we need to learn. And then we have to prune. We have to get rid of things that are taking up space, that aren't allowing light to come in, that aren't creating and sparking joy in our lives. And that pruning process can be the most difficult Mm -hmm. is we have to begin to get rid of things that served us in the past that no longer serve us now. So it's the preparation to help us plant. It's the nourishment that comes as we nurture what we're working on. And then it's the pruning to make sure that the energy and resources are going where they need to go. If the focus is correct, right? When I think about pruning, I think about a, a wise quote that a physician and friend of mine used to tell me. He says, you can do anything you want. You just can't do everything you want. And so wow. one of the things you've got to work your way through is what are you going to prune out? Still may be good. Still may be something that even exists. It'll grow back the next year when you think about it in terms of plants, but it's not going to help the entire system grow back uh, to its most powerful and what's possible. Great. That's Thank right. you for sharing that. And I appreciate the the add-on, as you said, the, the prep at the front end, making sure you're committed, your desire is there and ready to go inside of that space. The last piece inside the book, before I maybe jump into maybe a few questions at the end, again, just to learn mm-hmm. a bit more about you, that I that I found that I thought was really cool. And it was it was the chapter with regards to the power of your presence. And one of one of the quotes you said inside of your writing there was, We are only as good as the hats we wear. And you talked about our deepest fear. You used the quote where I thought, you know, that was only the quote from the movie Coach Carter when they went for it. I love that. We'll love it when you use that quote inside of that movie. But tell me about that in terms of, again, go into that, what it means to you, Andrew, with regards to we're only as good as the hats that we wear, which is not really true through our deepest fear. We hold ourselves back. Tell me about that, because it really sounded like it meant a lot to you inside that chapter. Well, it does. In fact, I broke all the publication rules and I actually wrote out the quote twice, if you remember. And I'd like to share that quote with you and your listeners, because we need to hear it. Yes, And please. they need to hear it from my voice now before the Audible comes out in a few months. <clears throat> the quote is from Marianne Williamson, and it's from her book, Return to Love. And she says, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. And yet we ask ourselves, well, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about you know, shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We were all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that's within us. And it's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Now, we wear hats. We were told such and such. We were labeled as the impatient one. We were told that we have this anger problem, that we would never be able to change, that we were good at this, therefore not good at this. And we've walked around with these labels and these hats that we wear as a father or a husband or a daughter or a friend or as a whatever that 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 hat is and we define ourselves by these roles that we play and we ignore what is truly inside of us because we're afraid of what it might mean to have to prune or drop one of those hats now 
the end of the quote, again, as we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. It is up to us to identify with who we are deep within rather than the hats that we wear so that we can then allow others to do the same as we show up in full integrity, authentically being who we were created to be. Andrew, I love that. As we show up as to who we were created to be. I mean, there's there's so much power in that and that if individuals were able to shed some of that, that fear that exists, that uh, facade that exists within them, that keeps them from being authentic and how they come forward. Look, I, myself included, I've only been an entrepreneur for a couple of years now in terms of how I've been going through. And I have to constantly exercise that muscle of mindset to keep me from the negative side and why yeah. I can't do something and really try to remove those limiting beliefs that exist. When you read through that uh, poem from from her, you say you don't hear things like limiting beliefs. You yeah. hear things that are, no, you are great. You are powerful and make that happen. So thank you for sharing it. And really, thank you for sharing it for the emotion with the emotion that you did. And I know when you read that in the book, it's going to be pretty powerful as well. I know I said I wasn't going to ask any more about the book, but I lied. I came with one more thing <laughs> that I wanted to make sure I touched on. And the reason is actually you know, one, of the, one of the things, I mean, I have a goal to double the number of books that I read in, in 2023. You talked about having a goal of being on 50 podcasts, but I'm finding more enjoyment at times reading the acknowledgments at the end of the books as much as I am reading the book itself. And you start off yours, you call them, you call them gratitudes in terms of at the end of your book. And you say the first sentence says, show me three things, your calendar, your bookshelf, and the five people that people spend the most time with. And you're going to know kind of a lot about them as a leader. So share with our readers, Andrew, Tell me one thing that's non-negotiable on your calendar, one thing that is on your bookshelf that you find that influences you greatly, and you know one of the people that you hang out with that has a positive impact on your life as well. Yeah. Thank you. Dinner with my wife and children is a non-negotiable every single day. We sit down and we have dinner together as a family. My bookshelf, Victor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning, it's the first quote that you'll find in the book besides Aristotle, but it's a, it's a good long quote, Victor Frankl, the Nazi concentration camp survivor who spent about three years in those, those camps and penned his book in nine days after being released. He had written the book in his mind about suffering and meaning and what we are as humans being defined by the choices that we make that book has had next to Holy Scripture, that book has had the greatest influence on my life. Victor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. And then someone that I choose to spend time with, I have two non-negotiables, Tuesday mornings and Thursday mornings. I get to go on a walk every morning with a friend from 7 to 7.30 a.m. on Tuesday morning. I've known him since I was 12. He's a dentist. He drives from his home toward his dentist's office and stops at my house. And we take my dog on a walk and we spend 30 minutes together. And then Thursday morning is at 6.15. I have a good friend around the corner who's about 20 years older than me, who's a wonderful mentor. Mm. And being able to have that morning time and build that friendship, uh, those are, those are again, non-negotiables, just great friends. Andrew, thank you for sharing all those things. I appreciate you going through that because I know all of those things absolutely are important to all of us. What's on our calendar? Where do we invest our time? 
what's on our bookshelf? What do we consume that's impacting what we are? And then the people that we hang around with who have an influence on our lives. Thank you for sharing that. Andrew, when, when, when folks put this book, when they're done reading it and they put it on their bookshelf, there was a book test that I had a recent guest talk about that, that he uses with regards to impact of books on their life. And he says, you know, I want to have a book that when I look back on it a year from now and I see it on my bookshelf, I can really talk about in one sentence what that book impacted on me. In this, in one sentence or two sentences, it might be unfair. What do you want the impact to be on the readers of the book, Strength of the Oak, Strength of the Willow? I want them to be able to walk away and say, I know exactly what courage looks like and what compassion feels like in my commitment to my life mission. That's simple enough. I appreciate you sharing that. So how do they get started? I mean, it's one to read the book, right? How do they get started on this journey? What are one or two tips where you encourage your clients to get started? Absolutely. So the first thing I would invite them to do is to find me on social media at Andrew L. Anderson 85. And I have a book club for the book. We have, I think we're we're well over a hundred people and it's only been out for a few days to join that book club and engage with others, including myself in diving in and getting the absolute most out of the book as possible. I would invite them to do one of two things, read through to gain a good perspective and then go through and go slowly or commit to go slowly, do the journal activities, do the, the, you know, the, the, the exercises using the tools. There are 15 of the most powerful coaching tools I use with my one-on-one clients that are in this book. So I would invite you to take every ounce of those tools and put them to work in your life. This is not meant to be a read and release book. It's meant to be a read and reread, implement and re-implement and master the tools that are inside. All right, Andrew, I'm, I'm going to count on that as we go forward with it. I'm looking forward to receiving my hard copy when it, when it gets released here in just a little while. Again, by the time this podcast is released, it'll be the day that your hard copy book is coming out. So the last question that I always ask first-time guests on the podcast is one really about the message they want to give. And part of that's in your book. But Andrew, I'm going to give you a billboard. You can place it anywhere you want to. You can place it on that beautiful scenery and the picture behind you, which our listeners won't get a chance to see, but is really cool. Or you can replace place that billboard where millions of people are going to see it. What do you want to write on that billboard? And why do you want to put that on that billboard? I want to write three things. Break through, transform, be free. We all have limiting beliefs and negative emotions that have unconsciously been working against us for far too long. And what I provide in the book are ways to break through those limiting beliefs and negative emotions. Transform. You can change your personality, your habits, the results you're getting in your life by changing the way you see your creator, how you see yourself and the world around you. You can transform everything in your world when you are able to break through those limiting beliefs and negative emotions which provides the third one, freedom. You deserve to be free. And when you have that freedom from all of the restraints that are holding you back, you can live into and fulfill the measure of your creation, what you were meant to be and do and have here on this planet. Andrew L. Hartman, thank you so much for taking the time and investing it in the listeners of the Uncommon Leader podcast. I wish you the best on the launch of your book. 
and success in the future as a coach and whatever your calling leads you in the future. It's wonderful to be here. Follow me at Andrew L. Anderson 85. And I look forward to connecting with your listeners. That's all for today's episode of the Uncommon Leader Podcast. Thanks for listening in. Please take just a minute to share this podcast with that someone you know that you thought of when you heard this episode. One of the most valuable things you can do is to rate the podcast and leave a review. You can do that on Apple Podcasts or rate the podcast on Spotify or any other platform that you listen. Until next time, go and grow champions.